Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 27 of Bat Flips and Maple Dips. My name is Clayton Croker, coming to you from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. To my left, uh, Mr. Justin Anderson, and like 2,500 kilometers away. Is oh, that yeah. how far Nova Scotia it's is? Pretty far. It's pretty far, yeah. Um, Patrick, the maritime mistress maker, Marsh. How's it going, buddy? It is going well. Welcome back to the pod. Uh, Clayton, it's nice to have you back. We struggled through last week, but uh, if it wasn't for Justin, it would have been just a hot mess. Probably the best episode yet because I wasn't on it. So. <laughs> Update on the Halifax. <laughs> it's actually almost 4,300 kilometers via the Trans-Canada Highway. That was way off. <laughs> yeah, right? What did I say, 2,500? Yeah, 4,300. Starting the show man, off Canada's with nothing big. but lies. Canada's hey? big, man. Classic. Uh, if you're not already, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, give us a follow uh, at BFMD Podcast. Uh, ask us questions there. We love hearing you guys' feedback. Um, and again, listen everywhere, basically, except for Nexopia. Again, just... Justin, where are we on that? We skipped it last week. It's out of, out of sight, out of mind. It's a jerk move, man. I leave for <laughs> one week, and all of a sudden, no, no, we're off the next opiate train. It's coming back, guys. It's going to make a comeback. Was it ever a thing? Yes, it was. Yes, is kind it, of. Is it, is it back, like when Patrick says something's back? And it's not actually yeah, back. Yeah, Thomas Pannone. He's back. <laughs> he's back. Oh, he's back. Uh, Nexopia is pulling a Pannone, guys. I'm he's back. Um, but again, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play oh, Music, uh, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher. Uh, we're all over the place, except for a few that will remain nameless because, well, we just ripped into it. Um, on today's episode, we are going to be talking about the uh, the year that was in baseball. Some of the some of the highlights, some of the lowlights, some of the memorable things, uh, because we've done all we can about the Jays. We, we've yeah. talked about the Jays basically nonstop. So uh, it's time to to give some other baseball stories some love here, and we'll probably talk about some other shenanigans as well. Uh, really quickly off the top here, because I don't know why Patrick wants to hear this story, but. Um, I do some part-time work for the Saskatoon Blades, the WHL team here in Saskatoon. And um, yeah, ooh. who's your dub team out there? Halifax. Prince Albert, baby. Oh, you like Prince, Prince Albert? <laughs> no. They're killing Look, it this year. I'm I'm a Cape Breton Screaming Eagles and Halifax Mooseheads. Mooseheads. That's give the a, name. I don't, I don't give a rat's ass about the WHL because all the best players are in the queue anyway. Hmm. Yeah, French hockey, way better than prairie hockey. (laughs) Um, First of all, though, um, I'm the guy in the mic on the Blades games in between the whistles. It gives away the prizes. And um, I lost a bet to the owner, uh, Steve Hogel, great guy here in Saskatoon, does a lot of charity work. Um, I lost a bet to him. Uh, we were doing this kind of toy drive for uh, my radio station I work for, and I said, you know what? If we get 100 toy donations, I'll do a Blades game with half my beard. Like 4,000 people go to Blades games, like a game. And yeah, easily got 100 because he called all of his business buddies, and they all donated like 40 toys each, so we got like 300 toys. So it all worked out, but I had to do the game with half a beard. And I think we t- retweeted it on yeah, that- Twitter and <laughs> Facebook and stuff so like that. You sounded so salty in that video. You're just like... Go Blades! Well, I look like an idiot. Like, and then now the worst part is, like, I had to. I have a clean face now. Like, I don't have bad. a beard. You, but you're not a beard guy, Patrick. You're not a beard guy, no. right? 
Uh, I'm uh, I'm too lazy to shave, so I let it go for like a month. So you guys don't know, like having a beard. Like I had it for two years. I I've always yeah. had a beard. As long as I've known you, you've had a beard. And when you go from having a beard forever to not having a beard, sucks. You, you looked, look like you're ten. You looked very young. The fi- like the the air hurt my face. You know that meme? Why do I live? Where yeah. the air hurts my face? I can now relate to that. Before yeah. I was like, I don't yeah, yeah, get yeah. this, you know, because a beard is like a sweater for your face. Now I no, I got ID'd buying a lighter. Someone thought I was like 12 years old. Like, if you have a beard and you're listening, there's no joke here. Don't shave it. Yeah, don't Even do if it. it's for charity. I'm just kidding. I, I kind of feel good about it. It's like, okay. Yeah, that was a good reason. I know uh, with Clay, I came in like the, the weekend after it happened. I said to Clayton, I said it's a good thing he was already engaged because I don't know if Friendly would have said yes no. if he didn't have the beard. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. And then the game after that was the teddy bear toss game, so I had to go clean face. Yeah. But again, no one recognized me walking around the rink. Like yeah. I have a very ginger beard. It's very distinct. And when I don't have that, I look way different. So I'm doing the game, and everyone at the Teddy Bear Toss game is like, who is this guy? And like the Teddy Bear Toss game in junior hockey, that's the biggest yeah. game of the year. Everyone was there in Saskatoon, and everyone was like, this random guy. Like, Where's Croker? Where's Clayton? Like, it's me, guys. I'm sorry. It's me. But uh, the Teddy Bear Toss game... Um, if you've never been to one before, you gotta go. It's really, it's an experience seeing all those teddies fly. It's a cool, you make a cool little video for your Instagram and yeah. gets a couple likes and all that stuff. So, but, uh, shout I out to I have a question too. for you guys. Yeah. Uh, how popular are the blades in Saskatoon? Cause like, it's a different, it's different in every region of the country. Obviously the OHL is like a big deal in certain parts of Ontario, but it's not big everywhere. And the blades haven't played a playoff game since 2013 when they lost that uh tiebreaker game yeah the memorial cup yeah so like it's been like five solid years of mediocre hockey well below mediocre really like i'd say like bad hockey yeah so like what's the average attendance for a saskatoon blades game last year is it something is it a big deal in the city last year it was 3200 because again they have been horrible the past six years yeah so no one wants to go out there because in saskatoon our arena is like way out of town not way out of town but it's pretty inconvenient if if saskatoon is a square it's it's on like the northwest corner yeah and it's almost outside the square and like there's a river that cuts that square in half yeah so think of it that way you can't just drive Point to point B, you got to cross the river to get mm-hmm. there. It's not like in Winnipeg where the yeah. arena's downtown. You can go to a restaurant, cross the street, you're at the arena. Yeah. Nothing's around it. It's in the industrial yeah, area of like town. one hotel and a truck stop and yeah. Tim Hortons. So it's tough. Like On the weekends, <laughs> you'll get a lot of families and a lot of people coming out. But like on a Tuesday, Thursday, it's it's tough. tough. But this year, their attendance is high because they got Kirby Doc, who is like the number, number, five, number right five right now. Oh, yeah, he fell. Not, he fell a little on bit. On Craig Button's draft list for yeah. this upcoming NHL draft. And their, go- five their goalie, who's just from down the road in Yorkton, Nolan Meyer, he's He's a stud, too, yeah. and a lot of people are saying he'll probably go late in the draft, but he's Canada's under-17 goalie, and yep. he is a freak in net. So the Blades are getting a lot more popular. They were really popular in 2012 when they got Braden Chen, yeah. and the Blades were getting like 9,000 people a game. That was, was that the year we hosted the Marmot? Yeah, that's why we yeah. got Braden Chen, sold that's the right. farm for him, and it was really, really popular. It just depends how they do. Saskatoon is one of those cities where if the team's not doing well, they will not support it. Yeah. But if their team's doing really, really well, they will support it. One of the pet peeves I have about this city, they only back winners. Oh, and yeah. if you're losing, no one's going to show up. Like It's, when... it's kind of different. It's really weird that the riders are so different because everybody goes to rider games, yeah. even if they're losing. With Husky football here, um, oh, yeah. two years ago, they sucked. They missed the playoffs for the first time in mm. 20 years, and everyone just ditched them. This year, they won the Can West over Calgary. Everyone's talking about Everyone's it. Like, and it's like, really, where were you two years ago, man? Like. 
people just kind of fall off and on bandwagons in Saskatoon a lot. But I mean, when teams I are hot, it's fun. It's not I don't uncommon. think that's a Saskatoon thing, though, guys, because like you, you kind of see it a bit in Halifax too. Like there were some really lean years uh, around 2010, 2011. The team was really bad, and it wasn't until they got Jonathan Drouin and Nate McKinnon where attendance started to go up. And now, it, it for the last like five or six years, it's been as high as uh, 8,600 and as low as. 6,800 and it averages out to about a thousand something or 7,000 uh, a game so like it's it gets pretty packed and it's kind of a big deal in the city but That's when sweet. they're losing nobody really bothers Regina's not like the that. only Regina is a town like they always support the Pats no matter what. Moose Pats, too with the yeah, Warriors, Moose Jaw yeah. gets good crowds uh, Regina gets good crowds and that shouldn't happen because us and Regina are basically the same city minus yeah. a river and yeah. like it should be the same, you know. But uh, no, I'm always jealous of the Regina Pats. They have a good following, and they got a good building, and they got yeah, good the sweaters. Nice. You know, they got good sweaters. They got a good team, good history. But still, go Blades, go! I Blades hope uh, really I hope Pats. Halifax supports the uh, Schooners when they come out there in the CFL. If they support the Mooseheads, that'd be great. I've got my doubts. I feel like the city does. There is like a culture of sport here. Mm-hmm. That's fairly powerful. Well, you guys have um, you, some good hockey players that are part of there. Like, obviously, Crosby and McKinnon out of nearby Cole Harbor, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I, I mean, mean, like, Bobby Smith from yeah. Cape Breton, Al McGinnis from Cape Breton. Yeah. Uh, there's like there's a really long list of really solid uh, Nova Scotian hockey players. Mm-hmm. I... I have a little bit of concern over what's going to happen when the schooners come. I know I'll be getting season tickets and it's not like a question. Like it'll definitely happen. The only thing I'm worried about is like, it did take three or four years before the Moosehead actually got like mainstream support. And part of that is because like, it takes a while to get those like big talents. Cause like you can't draft first overall every year. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like it'll probably take a while, but it with no arena, Right now, they're probably going to use that pop-up arena that they've been talking about making for uh, the soccer team, the Wanderers that are coming in. Right. But, like, rugby is extremely popular here. Um, Both versions of rugby. So, like, there's, like, the regular one, and then there's, like, sevens, I think is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I I think – and cricket is popular here, too. And I I feel like uh, Canadian football is kind of, like – on the very, very, like, edge of people's, like, minds as far as, like, popular Well, hopefully sports. they do a good job of promoting it before it starts up, and then they'll have some people on the stands. Well, rumors are swirling, too, that uh, Halifax might be getting another pro team of the NLL variety. Oh, really? For you didn't hear it from me. Really? You didn't hear it from me. Well. But uh, apparently there are, um, there are some people in Halifax that are currently... Um, interested in buying a lacrosse team in the states and moving them to Halifax. Hmm. And there's a uh, there's three or four business owners there that they want to move them there. You didn't hear from me, but apparently there's rumors swirling that the NLL might be coming to Halifax. That's pretty cool. I know because the NLL they it, saw they saw the success it had here in Saskatoon, and I mean size, it's yeah. kind of similar size. And the thing is, like just like Saskatoon, Halifax. I mean they didn't have like a big pro sports team up until you know the CFL decided to move there. So yeah. they, this could be their big ticket, you know, because in Saskatoon the rush for the big ticket. Yeah. So maybe you never know. Rumors are swirling. That's cool. Let's talk some baseball, shall we? I mean this is a baseball <laughs> podcast after all. We're just rambling on here. Yeah. Uh, the year that was the uh, probably one of the bigger stories um, was Ichiro Suzuki. Um, he is retired, right? Well, 
kind of ish. Not he hasn't ah. officially retired, <laughs> but I mean, for all intents and purposes, I think um, he'll retire after that because the, there's the Mariners open up the season in Japan next year. Oh, uh, okay. Right. So Ichiro's yep. a big ticket. Yeah. So. But he'll, technically, he is. He'll like, retire after that game. Yeah, because this season those, was like his Kobe Bryant season, right? Where it was just one song. Yeah. And... Kind of like the Derek Jeter sort of season where yeah. he does a little tour. But I'm not sure what's going to happen with Ichiro. If he'll if he'll kind of stick around with the Mariners or if he'll maybe take some time off and enjoy some freedom for the first time in about 20-some years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, is yeah. is Ichiro a Hall of Famer? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Undoubtedly. Obviously, but is he first ballot Hall of Famer? Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Because the thing is, Ichiro. Sorry. You don't count as J- Japanese stats, right? Like those don't count. You don't even need yes, to count. Do. You don't even need to count it for for his Hall of Fame resume, in my yeah. opinion. Like he did enough in his time here to without even counting uh, his Japanese stats to still get in. Like his, because he got three thousand. He got three thousand hits, hits yeah. in MLB, and he came over here at well, his age twenty seven or something yeah. like that. So I mean, the guy would have spent an extra eight. Eight years, we would say he debuts and he's nineteen. Yeah, even though seven years, like he could have been, he could have pushed four thousand hits. True, just in the MLB easily. Patrick, what are we gonna I say? Don't, I don't agree that we shouldn't consider the Nippon League. I, I've had this argument like a zillion times with people over <laughs> the years, and the thing is, we know like. Generally speaking, we know very little about the Nippon League because we're so far removed from it. Because MLB is such a big deal in North America. Baseball is still like the number one sport in North America. Hmm. I know like football has gotten very, very close to it, but nothing touches, you know, quote unquote, the American pastime. And we don't really see a lot of stuff uh, with regards to the Nippon League. And I personally have made the argument that the Nippon League is probably better than triple a but it's not exactly on the same level as mlb because it's a different kind of baseball it's an emphasis on small ball it's an emphasis on contact over power and it's actually a smaller baseball too so it's kind of in a lot of ways harder to hit mm-hmm. and we've seen a lot more pitchers come over from the nippon league than we've seen uh, hitters, from what I can recall. Like, wow. we've seen, like, yeah, like, um, uh, Dice K, um, Hideo Nomo. Yeah. The, the only hitters that I can think of right now is, like, Ichiro and uh, Hideki Matsui. Yeah. Well, there was a couple, I mean... Who's the guy that plays for uh, played for Minneapolis Minnesota Twins? Was it like uh, some Park? Was his last name? I think Sunho Park. Yeah, I think yeah. it was Sunho Park. And what about yeah. Otani? Did he come from the Nippon League? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like the hitters come from there, but the one thing that I'll say about the Nippon League is like guys like Andrew Albers will sign contracts over there yeah. and like dominate. Oh yeah. And, like not dominate, but Andrew Albers is a really good pitcher in that league. But and, I mean, Andrew Albers is. I mean, no disrespect to the good Sasky a, boy. I love a, Andrew. He Albers. was a four A pitcher here. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of yeah, like okay, like Andrew Albers is kind of on the brink. There, he's the guy. So that's the one thing about the Nippon yeah. League. Like again, I agree, it's a very, very, very good league, but it is a different 
league from Major League Baseball, I think when it comes to the pitching, I think you're going to yeah. see way better pitching in the major in Major League Baseball. It's like comparing the KHL to the NHL. Mm-hmm. I mean, but, but then you throw in the players. smaller ball. But that's the thing: the smaller ball is harder different, to hit. Different ice surface, and you yeah. have two, right? So, like, yeah, like Patrick says, it's a, it's a different type of baseball. But I, I, my, I'm not saying you shouldn't count Ichiro's Nippon stats. But I don't even think you need to 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 make him make him have a Hall of Fame resume. Yeah. Like, I think his Major oh, League yeah, Baseball I, stats I are agree. enough, right? I mean, 780 RBIs too. For a leadoff hitter. For a leadoff hitter. Like, <laughs> that is... 90% of his career, he bet leadoff. Yeah, that's nuts. I wonder what his stats would be if he, again, started here when he was 20. Right? I mean, never a big the, power guy. The other guy, thing but... is with... Uh, sorry, with Ichiro, yeah. is that he also has 509 stolen bases. No one really talks about that part of Ichiro's game. Yeah. But the dude, aside from having a 311 career batting average and having, you know, 3,000-plus hits... He stole 509 bases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's four, amazing. 14 and, or 1,420 runs, too. Like, as a leadoff guy, the more runs you score, that obviously means something, right? You know? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. the, that means the more you get on base, the more runs you're scoring. You want to score runs when you're a leadoff guy. That's an underrated stat, too. I mean, over 1,400 runs scored for a leadoff guy over that long of a career. That Good for him. And that guy got on base, and that's an understatement. Like, yep, he got on base. <laughs> career average 311. I mean, again, another little uh, the Jonah Hill quote from Moneyball. Gets on base. Yeah, his, uh, Jonah's uh, Hill wet dream right his there. His OBP was 355 over yeah. his career. So, And again, he's the only player other than Fred Lynn to win Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season. Yeah, he's got to be an auto Hall of Famer. Yeah. I thought his stats were a lot... Not worse, but not as good as well, they were without his Japanese. When you stats. consider he came over here at age twenty-seven in two thousand one, and he made the All Star game every year until twenty ten when he was thirty-six. Yeah. So his first like ten years in the league, he was an All Star, and he finished top ten in MVP voting two, three times, other than the time he won it, and he was always in consideration. He won a few Gold Gloves. He won a Gold Glove one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times his first ten years as well. <laughs> He didn't insane. win any. He didn't win any awards after those first ten years, but by the time he didn't win any awards, he was thirty-seven. <laughs> yeah. So, and he still put up good numbers. I mean, for most of his career. Uh, but the guy was a beast. Like, I mean, for a guy to come over here at age twenty-seven and immediately rack up a season where you get MVP and Rookie of the Year, first year in the league. Yeah. Pretty cool. Patrick, do you think that? Him staying with the Mariners for these this Japanese series when they take on Oakland is that a good idea or a bad idea? I do kind of feel like it dilutes a little bit of his legacy, yeah. but at the same time, this is one of the very few times that an MLB game has been played outside of North America. Um, I can't even think of any others. It's like this is like a big deal. I know we don't talk about it a lot. We didn't talk a lot about that. Uh, the MLB stars that went over and played in Japan back in uh, early November. But, like, it's a big deal. Baseball is very, very yeah. big in Japan. Well, and it's pretty like, cool because if, if he does retire at the end of that series, right, it's not how often does a guy not from the States or Canada get a chance to retire in the country that he came from, true. right? Pretty cool. Like, it's like, it's, it's like zero. It's, it's yeah. like a zero percent chance <laughs> yeah. that it could ever happen. I mean, there's been a when couple of games in Puerto to... Rico, with, but that's like a couple of games. That, well, that's <laughs> still the United States. Yeah, though. technically. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So I have a question for you guys, because I was thinking about this a little bit before we started. Mm-hmm. If you had to choose between an 18 year old Pete Rose and an 18 year old Ichiro Suzuki, to build your batting lineup around, who would you pick? Hmm. 
Um, I don't know. Pete Rose had power. Yeah, without like, ever seeing Pete Rose play, it's like I've watched film, obviously some video of him, but obviously never getting to see him. It's tough to decide. It comes down to the team that you have, because um, again, when it comes to Ichiro, Ichiro had the speed. Ichiro had love better fielding guys, ability, you know. But Pete Rose, I mean, you could argue he was a better hitter and he had power. Like, no, he wasn't a power hitter, but Pete Rose had power. He could hit home runs. I mean, Ichiro, sure, he had 117 home runs, but. I mean, Pete Rose probably had a lot more. Ah, that's a tough question. Not that many. Pete Rose only had 160 home runs his entire career. Uh, he obviously holds the record for games, played played appearances at bats and hits. But uh, he only had 160 home runs. Hmm. Uh, he had 1,314 RBIs. Only... Uh, 198 stolen bases, so he couldn't steal bases. Career batting average was 303. That was spread across 24 years, which is an inhuman amount of baseball. <laughs> Obviously, uh, Ichiro doesn't even come close to that. Not in the big leagues, but not not but, here. But overall, he does. But like he, Pete Rose was like a perpetual All Star, and it wasn't until. Uh, he his like third or fourth year in Philadelphia where we started to see like a very notable decline in like what he was doing mm-hmm. at the plate. And he was durable and even, too, right? Like there's... I might have to say I might have to say Pete Rose. Like I love Ichiro. <laughs> yeah, and he was awesome, but like I just think Pete Rose, you'd want him more than a guy like Ichiro. I don't know. I I love leadoff hitters. I mean, Pete Rose is a pretty good hitter too. Him and him and Ichiro are, are tough. I mean, Pete Rose's on base percentage over his career is three seventy five, so it's twenty points higher. Yeah, I think if if all things were considered, and I had an eighteen year old of each, I I would probably still take Pete Rose. Personally, see, I I would take Ichiro because he has the extra utility of the stolen bases. Like he was true, he was hands down a better base runner than Pete oh, Rose. Oh God, yeah, I can't. No one can argue that. But. Except in the All Star game. And then also finish and also hey. finish with a better batting average. So like I like the idea of having a guy who can just flat out get on base and when he gets out there he's got wheels. So it doesn't matter if he hits a single or walks or bunts and gets on, because he can steal one to two bases mm-hmm. at, at any given time, which is crazy to me. It's another reason why I think Jackie Robinson is so underrated because Jackie could hit for power. He was fast. He was an incredible base runner and an excellent fielder. He just had everything. Yeah. And I feel like aside from power, Ichiro has everything that you could ever ask for in like a leadoff hitter. The one thing Pete Rose might have on him is the whole leadership aspect of it, though, because I don't yeah. think Ichiro was never like a leader on the team, and it's not yeah. because it's not his fault. It's, he doesn't it's speak the language, language barrier. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, but Pete Rose, I'm I'm pretty sure he was like the leader of the team that he was ball. on. And yeah. he was the guy that everyone looked up to, you know. I think Ichiro was kind of the guy in the clubhouse that maybe just kind of was. He led I mean, by example. Guys looked up to him. Obviously, yeah. he's a legend. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. But I think Pete Rose had more of an impact in the in the clubhouse and the locker room. So maybe advantage Pete Rose there. But it's it's a tough question. I mean, you can go either or. I don't think you have. A, I don't think there's a wrong answer. No, that's the thing. You're not going to be like Ichiro, pff, dumb. Like, no, it's not like that. Yeah. But I just think. Ah, I'm just happy that I got to see Ichiro hit two of his 117 home runs. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Um, let's move on to David Wright here. Um, David Wright, 
uh, his last year, he kind of had well, not the goodbye season games. that Ichiro had. I mean, but he did kind of have his farewell moment, which was awesome to see because, yeah. I mean, people forget David Wright was a boss back yeah. in the mid-2000s. Like, If he would have continued on at the pace he was playing at, like, we would have been talking about David Wright and the all-time greats. But that's of. the thing. He kind of broke down. So Patrick, oh, he fell apart. He, he did the tra- pull the Troy Tulowitzki yeah, and just so, fell apart. <laughs> so, Patrick, my question is, do you still consider him like one of the better baseball players of our era or are you like well you know what staying healthy and being durable is part of the game so you kind of take away from that or is it like you know what he got bad luck with injuries uh i think it's bad luck there i don't think there was like a better third baseman from like 2005 to like i don't know we i guess we'll go like 2010 2012 like you could probably go a little bit further but Mm -hmm. like oh my god the guy was just an absolute beast. It's frustrating because, like, I put, to me, David Wright and Troy Tulowitzki, they kind of, they're, like, in the same category where they they were well on pace to being, like, one of, like, the two of the better players we had seen in, like, decades. Yeah. And then it all just kind of went to shit because of, like, these brutal injuries that just like ravage their bodies and this is the thing it is about durability and the fact that you're not durable does kind of take away from your legacy if yeah i mean david wright and troy tulowitzki might be on that all-time team along with mickey mantle of like what could have been had they had they not been ravaged by injuries true could you just imagine his fielding was top-notch, too. Yeah, that barehanded catch he made? No, I was from just the about infield, to say, right? I still, that's one thing. When I think of yep. David Wright, yeah. that barehanded catch to this day is one of the best defensive plays I've ever seen ever in baseball. Seen. Yeah. And it was just like, it, like you can tell he's done that before. Oh, yeah. Because it wasn't like he was a fluke. Like, eh, he was like, boop, just one-handed it. Like, just, just Odell Beckham that thing. <laughs> and he was just such a good fielder. And again, his just swing, he had like a Griffey-esque swing. And Smooth. like one of those swings yep. where it's just like that's a beautiful swing right there. Yeah. And looked like a ball player again. Great look, <laughs> looked like a ball player. And yeah, those great hands. It's just a shame that again he had like seven years of great baseball and that's it. Yeah. And I don't think he's gonna go down as like in for the Mets, like Mets fans will remember him as one of the all time greats for them. For sure. But I mean for casual baseball fans who don't really follow the Mets a lot, it'll be like, oh, I'm kinda remember him. And that's a shame because he was good. Yeah. It's one of those guys that's kind of be remembered fondly by the hardcore fan mm-hmm. and remembered not at all by the casual fan. Is his decline one of the worst in the history of baseball, do you think, Patrick? Yes, along with, uh, uh, sadly, to, to <laughs> say, Troy Tulowitzki. Yeah. What's going to end up happening is both retire will end up retiring, unless something magic happens with Tulo. Uh, they're both going to retire with like these crazy good numbers in spurts. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at like a seven year peak wins above replacement for David Wright, it's forty point two, which is insane. The average third baseman Hall of Famer's uh peak seven year wins above replacement is forty two point nine. So he's just like yeah. right on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if he had just played a little bit longer, he probably would have passed some of the like the standards that we kind of use to determine the quality yeah. of like a player when it comes to like Hall of Fame consideration. The best part about David Wright, I think, is that he had some sustained success. Like, for more than five seasons, he was an all-star and he was an MVP candidate. Um, And then he declined. But at least he had those good years. He wasn't like a Dontrell Willis 
or mm-hmm. a Ricky Romero or guys <laughs> like that that had like two years where you're like, man, wow, this, this is the guy. Yeah. And then it's all downhill after oh, that. Oh, I like, I like, yeah, I know the D train, man. D train. Oh, I love the D train. He's on MLB Network now. Florida Marlins legend. Yeah, Don but that's the thing. He had like one good year, and you could say Gustavo Chassin too. You know, yeah. just that flash in the pan. I like how David Wright wasn't just a flash in the pan. At least, like, hardcore baseball fans will remember him. Yeah. And that's what I like to see because, again, he was just a great guy, too. Uh, speaking of great guys, Joe frickin' Maurer. The kid, man. Uh, well played, Maurer. That's what I'll always remember <laughs> about better Joe Maurer. Swings, better swings on a porch. Yeah, the MLB show. The, MLB that was the show, show That was the right? very first MLB The Show game. Yeah, the guys uh, from the that Holiday Inn Express commercial. Yeah. yeah. Well played, well Maurer. Um, yeah, he's gone. Um, 2009 MVP. I think everyone remembers him for that because him he and hit Justin Morneau, 365 that as year. a catcher, like 96 RBIs. He was, he was probably. Uh, there's so many good catchers in our era, though. Like when I think of the best catchers, Pudge comes to mind first, obviously. Yeah. But is Joe Mauer top five catcher in our era? I think like yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> in like the the early 2000s, like the, between 2005 and like 2010, Joe Mauer might have been the best catcher in mm-hmm. baseball. It was in his prime. Like, yeah. he, he didn't, like, that season when he hit 28 home runs in 2009, he never hit more than, I think, 15 or something again. Mm-hmm. Like, he was unbelievable out here. Him and Morneau hitting back to back in that Twins lineup. Like, that was scary. And also, obviously, Morneau won an MVP uh, during that time, and they're there together, too. But, I mean, the fact for me that he walked 13 times more than he struck out that season, that says a lot about the guy. Like, the quality of approach he had at the plate, just the patience. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you can hit 365, yeah, but I mean, to have his on base pushing 450, pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to see if Patrick was going to Patrick chime in still there. there? Patrick, are you alive? Yeah, I'm just like, I'm sad thinking about Joe Mauer <laughs> because, like, he never really got his due, did he? Um, I think for a while he him. did. Yeah, I mean, if you look back at his at his career, like he was an all star a lot. And yeah, but he he never won. He didn't win the big game. He didn't. Uh, he did get. He won MVP once, which which was like obviously that epic year. But I mean, like overall, like he was extremely consistent even after he won uh, the MVP. But he he never really won. I think he won one silver slugger after that for like the last uh, eight years of his career. And it was just like, he yeah. probably the best contact hitting uh, catcher that I've ever seen. And I'm putting him over Mike Piazza. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just, I was thinking about like, did the twins ever win? Did the Twins ever win the like World Series no, while he was there? But but it's pretty cool. I mean, oh. he, he was he was born there. Like he's from St. Paul, which is basically Minneapolis, if if you know anything about the Twin Cities. But and then he's taken first overall in the draft, and I mean, he spent his whole career. Like this this kid lived and breathed Minnesota baseball mm-hmm. for his whole life. He's only thirty five. Like he'll be, he'll be thirty six right around opening day. And I, I, a huge credit to the guy for going on like while he was still in good shape. Mm-hmm. And hit I mean, 282 this yep. year. Yeah, like, like he was, he hits for he still hit he still hit for average. He could still be a reasonable like say a leadoff or low batting body low order hitter. Mm-hmm. But for him to say, you know what, I don't want people to remember me for sticking around too long, and just going out on top. Mm-hmm. I mean that's pretty classy. His last game where they let him come out, his last home game where they let him come out and catch yeah, I catch that. a catch a couple batters. 
pretty cool to see them announce and now catching yeah. number seven joe mauer and the yeah. crowd just went crazy because it'd been a few years since he strapped on the the catcher's gear so i mean pretty cool i mean one of one of my favorite players that didn't play for the jays over the course of the last 10 years for sure one thing you don't hear about Maurer, though, you always hear about his bat. And again, maybe people do, but again, I don't. I, I, I kind of follow Joe Maurer a little bit. Again, yeah. I'm a baseball fan, so obviously I know who Joe Maurer is. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about Russell Martin, the first thing you hear about is his catching ability and how good he is at calling games. Was Joe Maurer like that? Was Joe Maurer a defensive catcher who was like a student of the game I that knew what to there. call wherever? I mean, I would put him there. He won, a, he won three gold gloves in a row from 08, 09, and 2010. The same kind yep. of stretch where he won his MVP, and then his knees just Gave broke out. down, right? Yeah. So he couldn't play catch. He couldn't catch anymore. Because I think his bat was so good that it distracted people from how man he's also a great defensive catcher too. Yeah. Because the first thing you talk about with Joe Mauer is his bat, but no one really talks about like man. I bet you he was great with young pitchers in the Twins organization. Oh, for sure. But the Twins haven't. Well, yeah, their pitching's kind of crappy. Like I, when he was there, one of the big reasons why the Twins never won or did anything is because their pitching has always been so bad. <laughs> I mean, their, their offense has always been pretty good, but their pitching's always been pretty bad. Um, I, like Patrick, have you ever heard like like Joe Maurer? Obviously, he's an MLB catcher, Gold Glover or whatever. But like, does he get those comparisons where he helps out younger pitchers? I ha- I I don't know for sure, not. But one thing is for certain, catchers tend to be the guys who have like the best vision and best brain for the game because they have to uh joe mauer retired with a caught stealing percentage of 33 percent, which is way above league average yeah uh and he, and he hardly made mistakes behind the plate calling a game uh hardly committed any errors or or mistakes of that kind i see him as being the kind of guy who almost certainly will become an mlb manager and I think it's going to be a lot sooner than we think. Because I think, for lack of a better term, he's been the manager of the Twins mm-hmm. for, for quite a while. He is he is that kind of leader, I think. Uh, we don't hear a lot about him because he just kind of quietly went about his career in one of the smallest markets possible yeah. in Minnesota. But he did everything he could have possibly set out to do except for win the World Series. And what a, what a great end cap it'll be to his professional career in baseball to bring a world series to minnesota as a manager i think i think we're gonna see it one thing with uh calling catchers it, calling it now oh well okay catchers um, become managers yeah we're like oh they always do and Mark one Martinez, thing is too like john gibbons you never hear too many like um like oh, what's the word i'm looking for here um two-tooled catchers if you will right. yeah it's almost whenever you're talking about a catcher it's always like oh man they're like russell martin you know oh they got a great mind for the game but they can't hit the ball or it's like man they can mash the baseball but eh, they're not great at throwing out guys and they're not great at that i think joe mauer is one of the rare catchers where like yes he could, he could mash the baseball and he was great behind the plate you don't see too many catchers like that anymore and yeah. catchers kind of get a free pass for that. If they can't hit the ball, it's like, eh, nah, he's good call. Eh, he's got yeah. a call in a game. Or if he can't match the ball, and eh, you know what, he's, he's a catcher eh, he's who can hit. He's got a twenty million, that, twenty million dollar contract. Exactly. How we get rid of him? <laughs> Freaking wrestle. Um, one of the feel good stories of the year: Stephen Biscotti. Um, yeah. That trade from the Cardinals to the A's. Um, I didn't know that he grew up cheering for Oakland. He's from there. He's yeah. from Oakland. I knew that. From the but, Bay Area. Yeah. yeah, but usually when you hear that, like, oh, everyone's a Giants fan yeah. in that area. His, no one's uh, a Giants fan. His family had season tickets back in the day his dad you know, he used to go to games when yeah. he's growing up so and then his mom got sick yeah she has als and the cardinals traded him to the a's just so he could be closer 
Yeah. And that's a that's a great story. I kind of forgot about this. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. I kind of forgot about this story. Well, it happened early in the year. Like it's one kind of one of those bigger than baseball moments where I mean the trade. Like the, it was a fair trade for both teams. Mm-hmm. Like the Cardinals got two prospects and they got rid of Piscotty, who's a right fielder, uh, as they had like four or five infielders that needed playing time, and he was kind of the outside looking in. And he can he can play like he's got good batting stats. Like he's a good ball player. Um, so it, it made sense for both teams. And obviously, Piscotti's mom lives about 25 miles away from the uh, Oakland Coliseum. So it gave him uh, a means to be closer to her. And, I mean, the A's, good on them, too. for They, they donate some of the profits from his jersey sales to ALS Research, oh, too. Nice, so, classy. I mean, it, it's just one of, the, one of those baseball stories where, yeah, it, it kind of happened pretty early in the year. So people forget about it. But in terms of, like, the feel-good stories kind of off the field, this has got to be one of the ones that's pretty high up there in recent memory for me patrick do you agree obviously you agree but <laughs> what's your side of this I'm one not a monster <laughs> how, how how can you not be romantic about baseball oh, oh the billy bean line yeah. <laughs> i just how many, just, how many like, quotes are we gonna have on this not enough today Jeez. not enough <laughs> so many stories throughout the year i think are like you know players passing away or tragic accidents or retiring mm-hmm. This is the kind of story. There is like a negative aspect of it. Obviously, it's it's horrible that uh, that his mother is diagnosed with ALS, but yeah. he gets to come home now and he gets to play. You know, basically where he grew up. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the dream. Again, <laughs> how can, how can you not be romantic about it? Well, I we, mean, it's we just, just a talked beautiful about it with story Maori too, right? These kids playing for the team that they grew up cheering for. It's pretty cool. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just an awesome story. I like when teams do that. You know, they kind of put the baseball side of it aside and they're mm-hmm. like, you know what? They're human yeah. beings. They want to be there. And this is a horrible thing that has happened. We're going to help them out. I like that because so many yeah. times in sports, you don't see that. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know what? Whatever. You're just a number to us. And it's kind of a, it shows that, you know, sometimes owners and GMs, you know, they treat them like people too. Yeah. Um, one of the last things we'll talk about here, uh, a legend passed away too, Willie McCovey. Yeah. And, of course, McCovey Cove. Everyone thinks of that when you're playing the Giants. Splashdown. Exactly. I mean, Barry Bonds. The I King. remember watching his season where he hit 71, and it was every home run seemed to land in there, you know. Uh, 521 career home runs um, for the San Francisco Giant Hall of Famer. Um, a bunch of those were at Candlestick Park, though, where the Giants used to play in that horrendous freaking stadium. Like one of the worst stadiums of all time. Saw one of, like so, so many great moments with the Niners and the Giants yeah, and stuff. For but a baseball stadium, man, yeah. that stadium was junk. Oh, I hate like the oh, the aerial view of Candlestick. I remember yeah. it was like a bowl, but then on one side it was like a normal grandstand, and it just looked terrible. Terrible. <laughs> um, wasn't we, a, it wasn't a sexy. Yeah. Stadium. <laughs> yeah. When you think of legendary ball players, Patrick, do you think of Willie McCovey? No, and this is why I wanted to bring it up during this episode is that, you know, when we ask ourselves, like, what what New York Giants or sorry, well, New York and San Francisco Giants, are we going to remember? And obviously, number one, Barry Bonds, number two, Willie Mays uh, will probably end up adding Mad Bum to that one, Madison Bumgarner. Um, But Willie McCovey. Was just an incredible hitter and an incredible fielder, and he's almost like seemingly disappeared from the cultural zeitgeist of yeah. talking about baseball. And I don't really understand why. 
I don't know if he if there's like some sort of like controversy or something like that. I don't know, but but McCovey, the fact that he was able to hit 231 dingers at that <laughs> oversized dumpster <laughs> at Candlestick Park is just crazy to me. And also, like, there's a great quote that I pulled uh, with regards to uh, Willie McCovey, and it's from longtime Reds manager Sparky Anderson. With regards to uh, McCovey, he said, I walked Willie McCovey so many times he could have walked to the moon on all those walks. <laughs> he like he he was a lethal bat in that lineup, and he was in, actually like intentionally walked an all-time record forty-five times in nineteen sixty-nine, which is crazy. Like that's a lot of intentional walks. Those yeah. are free passes where he just gets to trot <laughs> over to first. Walk and I mean, kind of like good good on. Sparky Anderson and company to kind of acknowledge the fact that um, McCovey was so good that they they were better off giving him a free pass than giving him a chance to knock another one out of the park. Are there any other? He was moments... actually MV- MVP that year. Yeah, too. Wow. Are there are there any other moments um, from this year that you guys will remember this year for baseball as? Uh, like player wise, I mean, we saw some rookies come into the league, uh, take a lead by storm, like Ron Lacuna Jr., Juan Soto, Otani, Otani. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. the Yankees had a couple of good rookies too, and uh, and Duhar and Gleyber Torres too. Yeah. I mean, they had some some great guys come in. I mean, we saw some surprises too. I mean, Jose Ramirez had a great year for the for the Indians. We talked about him quite a bit on this on this podcast in the summer when the Jays were playing Cleveland a lot mm-hmm. and how, how fun it was to watch that Indians team, the A's being good again. Yeah. That was nice to see old man, Nick Markakis mm-hmm. kind of like turned back the clock in Atlanta and having a crazy <laughs> year, how bad the nationals were. That yeah. was a fun story. Cause I mean the Walgreens team. Well, that's what I want to talk about. I think this year might be remembered as the start of the fall of Bryce Harper. Yeah. Bryce didn't have a great year this year. He still got on base. He but... still got on base, but I mean, he wasn't like mashing like Bryce Harper does. At the start of the year, he was, mm-hmm. and then he really died off. Yeah. And I mean, now you're looking at the money that he's demanding. I think he might turn into one of those guys who demanded a bunch of money and never live up to it. I think we might be. Able to... Was this season maybe the start of the uh, fall of Bryce Harper? Do you think, Patrick, or am I just kind of grasping at straws here? It's hard to say because like. Uh, this year was his career high for RBIs. Yeah. And, and uh, it is also his career high for walks. And, like, it's pretty obvious to me that, like, the bat's still there. Um, it's just weird because, like, I think a lot of the toxicity that was kind of, like, surrounding the Nationals got to him a little bit. Um, obviously you can't be like the best player in baseball for like an extremely long time unless you're Babe Ruth or like Hank Aaron. Other than that, like it's like the list gets pretty short and Bryce Harper has been like an all-star for several years in a row now. And I think it's just a matter of time before he has like an off year. And I think the problem is that the nationals, there's a lot of toxicity. I don't know why either, but Dude's going to get paid big time, whether it's he goes to the Dodgers or not. He might as well just get that money and, you know, whatever. You know what Bryce Harper is? He's a really bad defender. Yeah, he's not his, great. His defensive stats, like his first couple of years, they were pretty solid. But 
that Sabre defensive index that I like to reference, mm-hmm. he finished last among nationally great fielders in their defensive index. He was a negative 11.9. And Fangraphs has him pretty far negative in their UZR stats, too, that I like to use. So, I mean, he's not getting paid Dude, because of defense. I got a question defense. for you guys. What's that? Um, do you think Bryce Harper would benefit coming to the American League so that way he can kind of platoon between right field and designated hitter? Like, do you think it would be actually better for him if he just was able to focus almost exclusively on hitting instead of being like a below average right fielder or I guess pretty much the worst right fielder? <laughs> I think we might see NL. that later in his career if he doesn't switch to first base. There's some talk that the Yankees were talking about pursuing him to play first base, which is kind of weird because I don't know if Bryce wants to play first base no. yet. But he definitely doesn't. later in his career, like, I mean, we've seen a ton of guys, like, I mean, Barry Bonds was had a tough time playing in the field towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. He wasn't a great fielder anymore, and he's stick around the National League. But, I mean, sometimes a guy's bat is just so good that you kind of take the really good with the really bad. I think and you it, talk to any hitter, too. They, they'd way rather DH than play the field, like, especially <laughs> bigger guys. Yeah. And, like, yeah, of course I'd just love to hang out on the bench and play every second eat, or third eat inning, spits, you know? Eat spits, chew on bubble gum, yeah, and like, cheer on the boys. Being yeah. a DH would be freaking great. It's, it's right so, up there with being a backup goal in the NHL. It's the like, gravy that's, train that's right a there. a good gig right there. <laughs> yeah. Like, hit bombs. Let me, let me throw out a scenario for you guys, okay? Bryce Harper's 26 years old. He's a free agent. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah, I know Scott Boris and all that other stuff, but yeah. imagine this scenario where the Toronto Blue Jays <laughs> sit down with Bryce Harper and say, look, man, we we want to pay you a lot of money, but the thing is we can't justify having you play right field every day because, you, you know, yeah, there's a like remarkable decline in your fielding skills. So how about this? We will pay you more to come in and just be a slugging machine. And you can platoon the DH with uh, our boy here, Teoscar Hernandez, teach him a thing or two about getting on base, and we'll give you, you know, eight years at $28 million. Um, It's interesting. It's low, but the thing is, like, (laughs) right now – I, w- I would have thought Bryce Harper would have signed by now. Mm, that's not the way the league works anymore, unfortunately. I, I know, but at the same time, like, the even the Dodgers right now are balking at, at his price. Well, same Manny with the Machado Yankees. Machado is meeting he, with he, teams this week too, right? Same, same what's boat. that? Manny Machado is meeting with a bunch of teams this week too, and this, this, he's in the same boat where nobody wants to pay him $300 million. Exactly. So, like, imagine if, if the Jays were, like, you will be the face of this team and like the face of baseball in an entire country for like eight years or nine years or 10. I don't even care how long it is, <laughs> but you know, 28 million, million a year guaranteed to come up here and just like change the landscape of Canadian baseball. Bryce Harper doesn't care about that. He doesn't care. Bryce Harper wants money. He cares less about Canadian baseball than Joey Votto. Yeah, Bryce Harper could give... <laughs> that is a weird callback yeah. to the very start the of very BFMD, start of but yeah. I'm just saying, like, if I was Bryce Harper, I would I would consider it, and it doesn't even have to be the Jays, to be honest. It could be any team in the American League that can afford it. Obviously not Minnesota or Oakland, 
but like, can you imagine the kind of damage he could do if, if he signed in like Cleveland? I can imagine. I'm just not going to think about it too much. I'm also not going to expect a guy who's from <laughs> Vegas to want to come to Toronto. <laughs> like a guy who grew up in Vegas in warm temperatures his whole life. Hey, you want to move to Toronto? It's only cold there six months of the year. I mean, from a baseball standpoint, again, for us it makes sense, but for for, for Bru- outsiders, for Bruce Hooper, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know what? That that's it. That's all. We're we're ending on that. We're ending season on season one. Yeah, well, yeah. That's it. That's it. That's all. We're ending season one on Bryce freaking Harper. Why? Go Jays. <laughs> go Jays. There we go. We ended it on the Jays. Good. Thank. Good save there, Billy Koch. Um, that's Justin. Uh, that's Patrick. I'm Clayton. Um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, again, give us a follow. Thanks for listening on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, TuneIn, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. Appreciate it. Keep sending in your questions. Uh, Next year, we're going to be talking about, again, the Jays a lot, as we always do. Uh, A bunch of other stuff as well. It's just going to be fun. Uh, Year one in the books. Might have a bonus Christmas episode for you or something like that. Who knows? Hint, uh, hint. Yeah, hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you in uh, 2019. Thanks for listening.